Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, my guest is Brett Schwartz, who's the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solution. Welcome, Brett. Gary, thanks for having me. So, you know, tell, tell us what made you get into uh, finding these different types of uh, tax solutions for people with, with capital gains. It came out of pain for my clients and pain for myself. So I started out at Marcus Melichap in 2006, and I grew up loving real estate, and I had the chance to start in my brokerage career at a company called Marcus and Millichap. And this was during kind of the highest amount of appreciation that we had seen up until that point in real estate values. And I'm living in Sacramento, and I'm seeing people doing these 1031 exchanges, and they're deferring tax, but they're not feeling great about it because they felt like they were overpaying for, for these assets. And we thought they were too, but we thought there was no other way. And so... Um, 2008 hits and I saw friends, family, and clients lose half or everything over the next three years because they had too much debt, not enough liquidity, not enough diversification. And so while they're going through that pain and we're negotiating with banks and trying to solve problems there and trying to help them keep their properties, we I was also going through a personal challenge, which was my finances. I went from making a little bit of money to like married baby on the way or a baby there actually, wife at home to making like nothing overnight. And I don't know if you've ever been so scared, Gary, where you're not sure how you can provide for your family. Well, that's where I found myself. Right. And in fact, growing up, my parents were divorced and my dad had a lot of money and my mom didn't have as much. And my dad didn't really share as much on the child support side of things. And so it was a challenge. It was a challenge for, for us growing up. And I always knew I wanted margin in my life. So for the first time I I was very successful in college basketball and, and academics and degrees and, and Marcus and Milicep. But for the first time, I, I was feeling like a failure. I was like, I'm not making any money. This is really tough. It's a 100% sink or, or sink or swim uh, commission job. And so I did what every good entrepreneur, real estate person does when they have a dream and they want to keep that entrepreneur dream alive. You get a side job hustle, right? And that's what I did. Right. I got a side job hustle at a place called Cheesecake Factory, start working nights and weekends, start burning the candle at both ends, 60, 70 hour weeks. And during this process of my pain and assessing the 1031 pain for my clients, we learned about something called a deferred sales trust. And I fell in love with the ability to add value in a way that clients need it and want it and didn't know it was available, right? And uh, that was legal and that was proven and that had a track record and that could solve the big challenges of, of not being able to, not having to overpay for a property and to be, have diversification, have liquidity, pay off debt or retire from it all, right? Not have to deal with the toilet's trash and liabilities. And so that began my journey. I started to talk about it. I didn't know a thing about tax. I didn't know really much. I knew about 1031 exchanges and sell right. property, but I didn't know anything about capital gains tax much beyond that. Fast forward, I started to implement the strategy for my clients. My business started to grow. I was able to retire from the Cheesecake Factory. And now mm -hmm. I coach and train CPAs, uh, financial advisors, commercial brokers on how to do this. And uh, it's, it's our passion. Right. So, I mean, explain to them. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the 1031 exchange, basically, it's kind of like you're, you know, you're kicking the can down the road uh, for people. And, and like you said, lots of times, 
um, when people do the 1031 exchange, when they get into that next property, lots of times they do overpay because they panic that their time's going to run out to be able to reinvest. So, so they do that. Explain to us how the um, deferred sales uh, trust works. Yeah, and so um, we like to say that the that's the 45-day window and 180-day sprint or the 45-day engagement period and 180-day marriage. And we all have fans and family, or perhaps we have in the past, who got married really quick. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work out, right? And so I like, to, I like real estate to like the big Titanic. Like we're, this boat's going forward. We kind of know when it starts to swing, like when it's a seller's market, buyer's market. It's not like an overnight thing. We can, we can kind of tell when it's a good time to sell, right? And our parents taught us to sell high and buy low, not sell high and buy higher 180 days later right. and equal or greater value or equal or greater debt for a property that perhaps you don't even want to own that doesn't have a lot of intrinsic value add appreciation opportunity just to defer the capital gains tax of 30 to 50%, which is the rate with state, federal, Obamacare, depreciation recapture, depending mm-hmm. on what state you live in. So defining the problem and, tr- and trying to define the outcome is really the key here. And so um, the analogy that's a great one to use is Blockbuster versus Netflix. Do you remember showing up to Blockbuster on a, uh, on a Friday night and your wife, Gary's told you to get that movie and you're dedicated to get that movie and you're, you're parking the car and you're going in there and, and you see it at the end of the aisle and it's behind that cardboard box and you're walking up about to grab it. But before you grab it, somebody steps in front of you and they're a couple steps and they get it. And now the box is gone and you're frustrated because you didn't have your movie. The right. second you got that second movie, you got to return it within three days. If you didn't rewind it, you have to you get a you get a penalty before DVDs. Like this is like the 1031. There's all these little things you have to follow, which by the way, it doesn't qualify for cryptocurrency. 1031, you can't you can't 1031 right. crypto. You can't doesn't qualify for primary homes or business sales. Okay, the 1031 has become more and more restrictive. It only works for investment property into an investment like kind property. So the first thing is that it's very restrictive, and it oftentimes uh, doesn't give us diversification, liquidity, and the ability to buy whenever you want. Now, let's talk about the deferred sales trust. It's the Netflix version. Why? Because you don't have to invest right away. You can put it into multiple uh, assets. You can diversify it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, businesses, real estate, hard money lending, cryptocurrency. You can dollar cost average. You never have to go to real estate ever again. You can be passive. You can be active. In other words, you can do all the things that are very seamless. There's some ongoing fees, right? And you work with with our, our company to help you establish this and get it all going. Um, but it can solve the pain of what the 1031 couldn't solve, if that makes sense, Gary. Right. So, you know, you mentioned in here, you know, different things that you can put in this deferred sales trust. Um, you know, you were talking about the, you know, cryptocurrency, which is, which is new for a lot of people and not understanding, um, you know, how that is taxed. And I think that um, that's something in the next next two years is really going to going to come out based on on some of the tax law changes that, that have happened. Um, but you talked about a primary residence, you talked about, you know, uh, uh, business asset sales, and stuff like that, that, that are no longer, um, they don't fall under the umbrella of the 1031 exchange. So, I guess, you know, again, how, how does the, the in a nutshell, how you know, the, the, the high, high view, how does the deferred sales trust work? 
Yeah, so the Deferred Sales Trust works by setting up what's called a manufactured installment sale before the close of escrow. So Gary, uh, as a CPA yourself, you know about installment sales. It's based right. on IRC tax code 453. It goes back 90 years where if Gary owned an apartment complex worth $10 million, all free and clear, he can carry back paper and become the bank for a new buyer. And let's imagine the new buyer was a guy named uh, Joe down the street. Joe wants to buy it from Gary. Joe could give you a dollar down payment and you could carry back 99% of the, of, the, um, of the equity. And therefore you only pay tax Gary on that dollar that you received. Right. And then you'll pay tax as you receive tax, uh, you know, interest payments from, from the rest of it. And you'll receive, you'll pay tax as you receive principal payments back. Right. And mm -hmm. so the idea of tax deferral, it works for IRAs, 401ks, installment sales. It's, it's a, basically you're delaying receiving constructive or active receipt of the cash um, and paying tax slowly over time. So enter the deferred sales trust. We're based upon the same tax code, IRC 453. Okay. But we use a third-party unrelated trustee, which is my company, and we form a trust prior to the close of escrow, and we ask the buyer to cooperate with the seller with this deferred sales trust. So there's three parties. There's the seller. There's Gary, right? There's the uh, trust, which you say is me, and you can say there's Joe, the same buyer. But instead of financing Joe, which you might have to foreclose on and your funds aren't diversified and they're not liquid and all of these other things that are associated with that, Typically, they're also very short in nature in, in traditional installment sales. They're three to five years, and they're somewhere right. between around five or six percent interest rate. And, and but the the buyer typically what he does is he wants you to finance them so that he can go and improve the property, refinance for a lower rate, and pay you off, and you owe the tax anyways, right? Mm -hmm. Where the deferred sales trust, we're going to sell to the trust first. The trust is going to you're going to finance the trust, and the trust is going to sell the asset to Joe, the ultimate buyer. And when we do it in that order, the smoke clears, Joe gets his property, but he had to go get a loan to begin with or bring all cash. We don't care how he gets the money, but just, just come with all cash. The cash hits the trust account and you receive a promissory note. And therefore you'll slowly pay tax as you receive payments back. But here's the cool thing. These trusts can go for 10 years and every 10 years they can renew for 10 years and okay. you can pass it inside of your living trust and your kids can step into your shoes. So we eliminate the challenge of the longer term Right, we want longer-term time horizon for our, our tax deferral. We eliminate the um, the lack of diversification if we just finance Joe. We have we can put it into you know stocks, bonds, mutual funds, passive or active real estate, business ventures, hard money lending, cryptocurrency. We can we have a lot of diversification there. We can dollar cost average. We eliminate that 45 180 window. In other words, we give ourselves a chance, a better chance of creating and preserving more wealth. And um, so that's hopefully that answers the questions. And by the way, these notes are typically structured at 8% net of recurring fees. It could be seven or six to based upon the risk tolerance of the, of the client. And the funds are never invested or moved without the client's approval. They've got to approve everything. They also got to work with me, the trustee. We've got to, we're like a custodian of the account. We've also got to approve everything. So together we're working as a team to execute this and keep it all in, in bounds with the IRS. So if I were to, you know, move my, you know, $10 million, you know, apartment complex, um, in, in your example, and I sell that to the trust mm -hmm. and then I have a promissory note with the trust, do I get payments? Do I have access to this money as, as we go along? Yes, absolutely. So that's exactly right. So you became the bank, right? Mm -hmm. And you've loaned the money. 
uh, to the trust in exchange for the trust to pay you back the 10 million plus a rate of return. Again, we'll use 8% in this scenario. Sure. And most of our clients will set up some kind of payment. It could be the first month. It could, you could delay six months. You could delay a year, maybe a year and a half or two, but you'll start receiving payments. The, the interest starts compounding day one, okay. typically at six, seven or 8%. And you'll start taking payments. And as you receive payments, you'll, um, you'll pay ordinary income tax on the interest. If you dip into principal, you'll pay capital gains tax, but that's the point. You have this big, big amount of 10 million. Let's imagine your basis was zero, right? And if you're in right. California, you would have paid 4 million of tax, 40%. So you have an extra 4 million working for you here, right? Minus right. some fees and such. But overall, you're like, they're really happy. You're like, sweet, I got, I don't have, you know, I don't have whatever challenge I was wanting to sell, right? And I've got cash flow coming in here and I'll pay tax slowly over time. And, and I, 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 everyone feels really good about it. So, you know, just kind of going back to, to make sure the listeners understand is that, you know, what you're saying in this is, is that I do this, I can get payments, you know, throughout the year that are interest only payments. I'm not receiving any principal. So yes, I'm paying tax on that interest, but I'm not paying any capital gains until I take more than just the interest. A hundred percent, exactly right. In fact, that's the majority of our clients are setting up exactly that way. They're setting it up with like a five to 6% payout to keep a little cushion between the 8% of what, it, what it's owed to them, right? To keep it growing. And if they don't take the interest payments, the rest of it just accrues and builds up until they start taking the interest payments. So that answer is yes, that's the majority. Of it. But it's your money, however you wanna receive it, when you wanna receive it, we can make payments out to you and you can just pay the tax as you, as you go. So what happens with, um, you know, because you're saying it's, it's, uh, you know, whatever we decide to do with the money in the trust between, you know, you and I, you know, you're the trustee, me as the, the person who holds a note, we decide that we want to invest that in whatever. So what happens with the earnings inside the trust? Great question. So it depends if you're passive or active on where and how the funds are invested. So let's start with the passive side, Gary, okay? So you're like, hey, I, the trust owes me 10 million at 8%, $800,000 a year. Look guys, I'm, I've been working for 30, 40 years. I've had my business, my real estate, and I'm ready to just, I'm, you know, I'm a baby boomer, I'm ready just to retire and just be, be done, okay? And just go ahead and just, you know, you'll have to approve all the investments, but it's all completely passive. And let's say in year one, Gary, it earns exactly 8%, okay? And let's say in year one, you take no payments. You're like, you know what? I don't need any payments right now. Let's delay it for, for a year, okay? okay? So in year one, it's 10,800,000 in the trust. But this is the unique part about this trust in that it can expense what it owes to you, Gary, even if it hasn't paid, paid you yet. Okay. Okay. So the trust often operates at a loss, even though it's accrued interest on these investments because it owes you the money. Right. Even if it hasn't paid you out, it's able to expense it. Now the next year comes along and it earns uh, another 8%. Okay. And you also take no money out. Um, but let's, and let's say, let's say it earns, it earns 10% and you also take no money out, right? We have a little bit of expenses built in there too, to the extent that the trust out earns what it owes to you and it's accumulated like carry forward loss that it had from the previous years, right? right? To that extent, it could pay some tax right now. Part of what we, we do is we operate in a very tax friendly state to, to make that a little more manageable. 
But most of the time our clients are taking, taking out money. They're living off of it. The trust is operating at a loss, but even if there was a little bit extra, it would pay that. But here's the thing. It's a 10 year term, right? So, so we're, we're, we're compounding this 10 year term and it's compounding day one at 8%. So okay. it's not likely unless we have hit a huge home run that we're going to be, the trust is going to be paying tax now. So that's the passive side. Now let's go active. Let's say you partner with the trust to go purchase some real estate or start a business. So you're an active participant. You're doing this. If you're doing that, um, you're running that business and there could be some, some losses there. There could be some depreciation there that if we properly structure it, you can get some depreciation to offset, offset those expenses as well. And that's pretty cool because of the way we structure it. We give you, we're going to give you the majority of the ownership of, of, of that deal if you're an active participant. And so, it, so the answer is it all kind of depends, Gary, but oftentimes it's very tax efficient, if that makes sense. Right. And, and due to the complexity, the complexities of all of this, I'm sure that you guys have CPAs that you guys have on staff that do the, do all these tax returns and don't try to push it down on somebody else. hundred percent. Right. So first of all, the people, uh, my business partners are tax attorney CPA who created this 25 years ago. They're the one who's faced the IRS over a dozen times, plus three formal audits all no change, no finding audits. So it's, it's batting a thousand. It's perfect with the IRS private letter ruling. Uh, they've had legal opinions. It's, it's batting a thousand. It's never failed one time. Okay. That's the first thing we also have a separate outside CPA group that does the, um, the actual trust tax returns. Okay. okay? So we have multiple parties that are all kind of, and then your, if it's your client that does it, Gary, they'll, their personal tax return stays with you. Right. And, and they'll just get a 1099 and they'll report that. They'll give that to you to report that on their personal tax return. And so I have to say, we're all in this together. Like the Roman legions, they have their, they have their shields and they have the little spears. Right. And each of us have our specialty, right? And I, my role is the trustee. I'm kind of like the, the registered nurse for the ongoing care. The brain surgeons are you're kind of the DST tax attorneys who do the legal work to set everything up. Right. And then, and then yours, the CPA, you're there to help with the reporting and the, and the income and, and the strategy behind how much should be pulled and when, and, and there's the financial advisor who's also there and the commercial real estate brokers. And we're all in this together to try to build a team around the client. And the, and the tool that unites all of us is this deferred sales trust. And as long as we play our roles and do it correctly, everyone stays um, in, a, in a good spot, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, and that's, I, I think that's important is, you know, one of the things I've always preached on here on the show is, is, is having your financial team. And it sounds like you have a great financial team around you and, and you partnering with the, with the CPA, um, uh, you know, that, that's working with the, with the client is it, good working relationship. The one who does the brain surgeons there, but we also partner with CPAs and financial advisors across America, right? Like you might have a go-to person in your local place, Gary, that can serve your clients as the financial advisor for this. Because one of the biggest objections for people like who's this trustee that I've never met, who's right. going to be a part of this big deal. First of all, the funds don't move without your, your, your approval. You always have 24 seven access to view the funds. So it's all protected, but we want to bring in the best of the best from every industry to help become a part of this as we grow strategic alliances across the U S so that everyone can get access to this and be able to help their clients. If that makes sense, Gary. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Now, uh, understanding, you know, that, and I think people understand it's like, Hey, I had a rental property or I sold it, or I had a business and I sold it, or even the way things are going with cryptocurrency and stuff. 
but you mentioned primary residence. Um, you know, can you can you go into that a little bit more? Because lots of times when people think primary re residence, I sell my my prim primary residence, I, I'm going to go buy something else. So can you kind of go into that a little bit? Great, great point. Yes. Yeah, so most um, primary homeowners who've bought really low and their values have gone through the roof above and beyond their 121 exclusion, which states if you live there to the last five years, you got a 250 uh, a tax, a basically tax free exclusion. Uh, if you're single, 500 if you're married, but above and beyond that, you're going to be hit with the capital gains tax. They struggle with this capital gains tax and selling their house. And so we get, we're going to use the deferred sales trust to defer the tax and give them all of the tax deferral and the ability to get cash flow. However, if they want to use or need or want to use the funds to buy another primary home, that's one of the Achilles heel that we can't do with the deferred sales trust. In other words, the investments in the trust to remain tax deferred need to be an investment real estate or a business or other investments. Um, it cannot be a primary home. Okay. It's the same reason you cannot 1031 into a, a primary home, right? So the government, right. that's where we cross the line. So we need to ask the couple questions. Um, do you need or want any of the funds for your down payment? Sometimes people are finding us and they say, well, our dream was always to buy it all cash and be debt free. And we go, okay then that's maybe going to cost you, you know, 33%. Like for example, this is in California, I had a client and they sold a $1.4 uh, million property in Walnut Creek and they wanted to buy a condo on the beach in San Luis Obispo, kind of retire there for about 1.2 million. And they said, well, Brett, can we use the, the deferred sales trust funds to buy it? And I said, well, not if it's a primary. I go, but what you can do is you can have the trust help you get a loan, right? Because the income off of that, you can use that to, 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 to justify a, a bank to give you a loan. And so that's what they did. And so we want to just try to take this a Rubik's cube or whatever you're trying to solve and do the best we can to make it as a tax efficient way to do that. And the other analogy I, or the actual math I use here is I say, Hey, look, it's kind of like, I mean, you can, you can take the, out of the 1.4 million, you can buy it all cash. You could take 1.2 million out, but it's going to cost you, you know, 33%. So it's kind of like borrowing at 33% versus going to the bank and getting it at 3%. Right. Now you're going to need the down payment. So if they don't have the down payment elsewhere, and a lot of times, a lot of our clients, they can, they can get the down payment somewhere else. They just they emotionally, they don't want to take on debt at a certain age. But I always say it's just not about cash flow anymore. It's about tax flow. And you've got to realize there's consequences to this. So what are, it's your money. Take whatever you want but just realize what the consequences are. So I don't know if that answers the question, Gary, but. Um, so so what about in, in a situation where you say, okay, you know, in, in your example, you know, okay, I bought the house for, uh, you know, for originally bought it for 500,000. I get my, you know, $500,000, you know, exclusion and it's a million five. So into the trust, am I only putting that, you know, the capital gain in there, or am I putting the whole 1.5 million in there? Great question. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. You need to put all of it in there if you want to make it a zero tax event. Now it doesn't mean you lose the $500,000 exclusion. It just means you won't receive that until you re start receiving payments or principal back. However, you only receive it in proportion to, to, to your basis. So it's not like you could just sell it at 1.5 million, you know, and you bought it for 500, you got a 500 exclusion, take all a million 
and just have 500 in there. No, no, no. That $500 thousand dollar exclusion is, is spread across the entire deal. So you don't lose it. You just only use it as you receive principal back over time. So does that answer the question, Gary? Yeah. 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 And then, you know, so, so, you know, kind of the, the follow-up that is, you know, when you're saying, you know, when you take it back out, so, you know, I'm taking, you know, at this point, I've taken all of my interests that I'm supposed to get. I've taken all that. And then I start taking, taking principal. So is the principal kind of, you know, you got your, your three buckets, you got your, which you originally bought it at your exclusion and then your gain. And you're kind of taking for, for simple numbers for every 30 grand, I'm taking 10 from each bucket. Is that how it works? Yeah. That's a good way to think about it, right? It's in proportion to your basis and the exclusion amounts. And it's, it's, it's all mathematical, right? Based upon what you normally would have paid. You're just doing it slowly over time. Okay. I mean, by the means, way, it's a good time to mention this, by the way, our minimum size deal to do this is $1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain. Unless you're selling a primary home because of that extra 250 or 500, we typically want to see like a $2 million net proceeds and a, you know, like a $2 million gain. Generally speaking, I mean, we just did a deal in Menlo Park. I think they sold it for a house for like 1.6 and their basis was like 200 and they had the exclusion to 700. So, um, the key is to get to a, a true gain of a million and a true net proceeds of a million right. net of the debt, the closing costs and everything else to qualify. Otherwise it's too small for us. Unless you had two assets. If you say, Hey, I got $500,000 of Bitcoin. I have like a zero basis on and another $600,000 of this public stock that I have a very low basis on. And collectively it's about a million dollar gain, million dollar net proceeds. Then we can combine the two. That's fine. But if it's just like a one-off deal at 200 or 300 or 400 or 500, and it, it's, and there's nothing else, no potential to add to this. And by the way, you can form one trust and then you can slowly roll in multiple assets over time, okay. a business, primary home, crypto, public stock, private stock, and you get multiple promissory notes, but one trust to consolidate all, all of your wealth. Okay. So I, I think that the, the kind of going back over the, the, you know, looking at this is, is that again, just like the name says deferred sales trust. So you're deferring, you know, any, any gains that you have in it. But, you know, again, if you planned on taking those proceeds and investing them and living off the income of it, that's basically what you're going to do here, but you're going to be investing a hundred percent of what you had instead of 60% because of taxes. You nailed it. Yep. And it gives people the ability to sell now rather than having to wait for their business valuation from 10 million to go to 15, right? They're like, well, I, I, if I had to wait till to 15 and I would have net at 10 or I can sell at 10 right now. So it gives them back the one thing we can't get back, which is time, right? right? Or the ability to sell high in cryptocurrency. Like we just did a deal for a client. She bought a Bitcoin for $30,000 and it literally went to $50 million wow. she's in Silicon Valley. And she just did the first 5 million and she's able to retire from, from the executive, uh, from the, from the W2 tech job. And, and fund her next business dream with her with her um, high school and college uh, roommate, and so she's 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 ecstatic about that, right? So right. we always just encourage people to say, "What is it going to give to you if you got that time back?" Right? What do, what do those look like on paper with the numbers, and then see if the deferred sales is a good fit. And, and another thing I want to point out because you said it earlier is that this is something that you can pass down to your kids and and so forth. Now. You had talked about that there that these are ten year terms. 
how far out can we continue to go? Yeah. So every 10 years you can refinance for another 10 years and refinance for another 10 years and refinance for another 10 years. And then inside of your living trust, should you pass away and you have kids or whoever you want to pass it to, they can step into your shoes. You don't get the stepped up basis. That's the one downside that the 1031 does have over us, right? right. The deferred sales trust, but your kids can step into your shoes and continue the tax deferral and then slowly pay tax as they receive payments. So that's how that would work here. So in that example, so if I have four kids, could each one of them get 25% and it's okay. So it doesn't, because of the, the number of new owners, if you want to call it, mm -hmm. we're okay. It, exactly. You can just start okay. to split the cash flow, 25% each, or they can take their portion, pay the tax, capital gains tax. If they want to just cash out of their portion. Yep. It's totally flexible. That's, I mean, it, it, this is definitely, you know, something that, that, uh, you know, people need to learn more about because I mean, this, this could be huge for somebody. And like you're saying, I mean, if it's, especially when you're talking these kind of numbers, if I'm, you know, have, you know, a sale for $10 million and, you know, I'm going to lose, you know, 40% of it, if not more in taxes, it definitely makes sense to do this. Yeah. We're, we're, we're facing three storms right now, three perfect storms. The first one is, according to the American Bankers Association, is about 17 to $20 trillion that'll pass from the baby boomers to the millennials in the next 20 years. And this is known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet. Every day, 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65, and there's 77 million in the U.S. alone. And it's staggering amount of wealth, that, and that 50% of their wealth as well, and America's wealth, is high-end primary homes, private equity, which is businesses, and commercial real estate. And these three illiquid assets... Um, have a lot of time, energy, and stress, and they want to sell, but they feel trapped by the capital gains tax. And so that's right. a big storm that as professionals like you and me, Gary, are, or anyone listening to this, um, friends or family that you know of, they're going to want to, the thing's going to come. They're going to, the health challenge, they're going to want to sell, they're going to want to spend time with their grandkids, they're going to want to travel the world, but they don't, they want to sell that house and that business or that cryptocurrency or whatever asset they have and they want a solution. So that's the first storm. The second storm is political. Biden is considering raising the capital gains tax rate from 20, the Biden administration, to 25, 26, or 28, right? So our, our numbers of 30 to 50% just went to, let's say, 35 to 55%. Right. right. So they're only going higher. And so that's a challenge. Last challenge is that we're at all-time highs, probably in real estate history, stock market history, and cryptocurrency history. So these three storms are happening um, and I have to say we're probably in the I we're in the we're in the middle of the hurricane. Like last year was a crazy year. Mm -hmm. Then it's kind of the calm right now before the second part of the hurricane that I believe you know is coming. I don't know how long it's going to take, but there's going to be huge drops in values. And so we think it's perfect timing to sell high, diversify, dollar cost average, get tax deferral, and get into a safe harbor so that you can take advantage of opportunities when they come up. Um, so th those, that, that's kind of what we're facing, Gary. So we need all hands on deck to help everyone out. Right, right, definitely. All right, Brett, I mean, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff in a short period of time, and, and I really appreciate, you know, your time and, and what we've gone over so far. What haven't I asked you that you wish I had? Um, you know, I would say, um, 
you know, what are the fees? A lot of people want to know what the fees are, right? So, um, and, and, and is there legal audit defense? Like what, what if the audit happens? Right. And so there's lifetime audit defense for every deal that's built in. That's a part of the one-time fee that's paid to the tax attorney, which is about 1.5% of the gross sales price. And then as far as trustee and the financial advisor combined, it's somewhere around 2% on a recurring basis. So let's say it was a million dollar deal, Gary. Right. One-time fee of 15,000 is, is paid. So now you're at 985. Now the 985 goes into the account with my team and the financial advisor. We're about 2%. So we're about 20,000 a year, you know, uh, on the management of it. That's why it needs to be big enough. And that's why we're, we're going to try to make 8% net of uh, net of those that 2% fee. So, so this people want to know about that, you know, what am I protected legally? Um, and then what are the fees? So those are the two last ones I would just say that, to mention. Now those, those fees are paid out of the trust. Exactly. So they're only paid at close of escrow, right? Only if we close, we don't charge any upfront fees. We will, we will help you underwrite the deferred sales trust, go through the whole, whole educational process, talk with your CPAs, your legal team, structure the deal, form the trust, get it all prepared. If your deal doesn't close or for any reason, you don't use the trust, no problem. You don't owe us anything. It's only paid at close of escrow. That's how that works. And then again, the recurring ones will be paid by the trust over time. So Right. Okay. So I can guarantee we got a lot of people that are on here that are, are chomping at the bit and want to talk to you. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So the first thing is you can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. And if you have a live deal, 30, 60, 90 days from closing, and it's at least a $1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain, you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me. Make sure you put Gary's uh, notes, if you're going to go there, that you found me on Gary's uh, podcast, right? So we can give credit where credit's due. First thing, um, if, if it's something that you're just trying to learn about or it's not a live deal, you know, then I want to encourage you to join what's called like Deferred Sales Trust uh, University or Mastermind that happens every Friday. Mm -hmm. It's a meetup on Zoom. It's a live streamed and we bring on CPAs, financial advisors and folks just like yourself who are learning about it for the first time. And they're asking all these very common questions and I'm just trying to make it really simple for everybody. We're focusing on crypto. So we're calling it the Crypto DST Mastermind, but it's all things Deferred Sales Trust. And, um, we're, um, we're answering your questions live every Friday, open, open up. It's about an hour. It goes from about 10 to 11, but you can come join the community, start to learn. And then of course we have our book coming out and also we have our free ebook and at all of that you can find at capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. Great. Well, Brett, I really appreciate your time and I'm, I'm sure the listeners got a lot from, from the show today. Thank My you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So today our guest on our podcast was Brett Schwartz who's the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solution. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>